Yeah, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Carol Cuffel, and it is uh, slightly terrifying, but my notes say it's supposed to be a joy to be here with you all. <laughs> um, I was invited to speak to you on the topic of joy, which is the fruit of the Spirit. Before we get started, I wanted to introduce myself to you as what I think is very important as we explore the topic of joy. I like to have fun, I like to laugh, and I'm drawn to people who have a good sense of humor. My husband, Mike, won my heart right away when we met by him telling me a sweet and silly joke. I still remember that joke, and if you're a really good audience this morning, I might tell you at the end. Um, so I'm very thankful for him. We just celebrated 38 years of marriage, and we both give God all the glory. Um, I, we have three adult children who are great friends to me, and they are a joy to me. Um, my greatest joy are my two grandchildren, James and Sophie, and we have one more coming in April. Very excited. So, um, Before we uh, dive in today, um, please join me in praying. Oh, Heavenly Father, um, you have been glorified here this morning so much. Um, we love you so much. Um, we just want to pray for all the um, moms here, um, that this message would speak to their hearts, that they would be really encouraged. Um, Lord, you have some really hard things that I'm going to say, and I just pray that um, we all would just let you speak to us. Uh, wash away our distractions and help us to focus on you. Thank you so much for this place and all the, all the people that have done so much to let us be here today. Um, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Okay, so what comes to mind when you hear the word joy? Anybody? What comes to mind? Laughter. Laughter. Good. What? Smiles. Okay, good. Good. Okay. Who comes to mind when you hear the word joyful? Does it make you smile just to hear the word joy? Does it kind of irritate you? Is joy a mystery to you? Well, I have to admit that even though I love to laugh and can appear joyful, I can also be a very serious and intense person. I can be pushy when I'm out my own way, and my sin bent is to worry, and I'm not a very fun person to be around. <laughs> um, my husband kind of surprised me fairly recently, and he said, hey, look, you're smiling. <laughs> The meaning was clear. You've been doing that serious, intense thing again. It was very convicting and kind of devastating as I was studying to speak to you guys on joy. <laughs> <laughs> um, my mom must have seen this in me also and told me when I was a little girl, and the impression has stayed with me, that if I frowned inside all the time, my face would, over time, eventually stay in a frozen frown expression when I wasn't aware of it. And I think of that when I see older women walking around looking like that. Uh, so my heart does go out to those of us here in the room who struggle choosing joy. As you are facing issues, who are overwhelmed, the deep thinkers and the deep feelers who, like myself, don't often go deep enough, this message is especially for you. I come to you as a fellow sojourner, thankful for his grace in growing me in this very important topic. And I do really mean that. It may seem like a superficial thing to laugh and be cheerful or to be playful, 
but it is serious business in our marriages, our relationships, and our homes. Our joy or lack of joy impacts our husbands, our children, our witness to a watching world. And they are watching. They're watching your faces, your expressions, and your nonverbal cues. So what is joy? Well, the Greek word for joy is agliosis. Joy is to have gladness of heart. And my favorite is cheerfulness as a habit of mind. The Bridgeway Bible definition is, joy is a quality of inner peace and strength that enables believers to rejoice even amidst trouble and sorrow. Joy is expressed all through the Bible in the Old Testament and the New, and it is rooted in the goodness of God. Joy in a special sense becomes a possession of believers when by faith they come into union with Jesus Christ. Joy is associated with life in Christ, and joy is our choice. So why is it so hard to be joyful? Haley DeMarco says in the book, The Fruitful Wife, that my lack of joy firmly rests on my inability to consistently agree with God. So point number one is join up and agree with God. I need to agree or join up with God. Joy comes from a decision to join up with God and believe what he says. Join up is a cowboy term. It's a horse trainer word for a horse who's being trained without a halter or a bridle. It's the starting place. It's the very beginning of the training is to get the horse to join up with you. You make him go around in circles in a round pen and you're standing in the center and he is on the rails and you're making him go around and around cantering and trotting. And then you stop him and you make him switch and you make him go the other way around and around. Then when the time is right, you see him breaking his fight. You see him tiring and freely giving into your commands. Then you stop and you turn your back to him. Turn your back to him. <laughs> and the horse will stop as he notices and he'll make a decision to come to you off the rails to the center. He will lick his mouth showing submission and he will stand next to you wanting your company. That is a picture of us, our place of joy. Once we begin fully entrusting ourselves or agree or join up with God. In Job 22:21, it says, agree with God and be at peace and thereby good will come to you. And in Psalm 16:11, it says, in your presence is fullness of joy. <sighs> joy is not the absence of suffering. I have read that the deeper your sorrow, the greater your capacity to feel joy. Elizabeth Elliot says, among the most joyful people I have known have been some who seem to have no human reason for joy. The sweet fragrance of Christ has shown through their lives. If you've never read The Hiding Place, I would highly recommend reading that book. In the story of Corey Tamboom and her sweet sister Betsy, they have been taken from their home in Holland during World War II for hiding Jews. They were put in one of the worst concentration camps, Ravensbrück, and they were in one of the worst barracks with the most fleas that even the guards wouldn't go into, which allowed them the freedom to read aloud the little Bible that they had dangerously snuck in. Their story is amazing about their deep sorrow and their profound joy and their reliance on God in the suffering they were able to thank God for the fleas. Acknowledging the experience while also stabilizing that sorrow with our joy. 
that we are in Christ. We are the privileged ones who have the deep sense that joy is not about our circumstances. It is our position in Christ. One of my favorite Psalms is 84, and in verse 6 it says, The blessed man has his strength in God, and when the journey takes him through the valley of weeping, he makes it a spring. It is the presence of God in our valleys who refreshes us, restores us, and we are renewed in his presence. It goes on to say that he goes from strength to strength. John Piper says, Christian joy doesn't mean we don't feel pain, and when it comes, tears come. We have had some very difficult circumstances with mental health issues in our family. We have had sorrow and sadness, and I have learned that even if I cannot make sense of what is happening, and it hurts, that it is good for me. Even when tears come, I can choose to be thankful that he is teaching me to trust him, to agree with him, and he is my joy. Just like Kelly said, he is my joy. We all know that life can be difficult. We have sorrowful concerns and circumstances. In this very room, we have significant issues that are heartbreaking. We are burdened with issues with our children. We have people we love that have troubling and terrible health issues. We have close relationships that are broken and painful. And we have financial worries, just to name a few. One of my favorite verses, it's so funny, Kelly, uh, that has helped me through some really tough times in my life is also Habakkuk 3.17. My husband and I literally hung on to these verses at a financial crisis in our lives. We have our own business, and we have had many ups and downs, and God has consistently used financial issues in my life to teach me. We were in a serious crisis with no work. Our savings were depleted. We had done all we could, and I was so scared. My security was being stripped away. All human reasoning told me to panic. But I had a choice to make. I could choose to trust God, to go to him, to abide and rejoice in him, and be thankful for his faithfulness to never leave me. Or I could be like the wild horse on the rails, running in circles and lathering myself up. Habakkuk 3.17 says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Pastor Chris taught us in James 1 that the wise person chooses joy in their suffering. He said, we cannot control the circumstances that happen to us, but we can control how we respond. Choosing joy impacts others for Christ. So my next point is others. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit, John 15, 5. So how does our joy affect others around us, our husband, our children? Having a joyful spirit gives me energy to serve others and to manage my home. That is a way that is a way of pleasing God by being a Mary instead of a Martha. When my children were little, my husband said he could tell what kind of mood I was in the second he walked in the door. The home is our domain and we set the tone. Our tone should be optimistic and relaxed, not perfect. No one, no one needs to try to be perfect. We are resting in the Lord. 
but we show respect to our husbands and thankfulness as our husbands are out there in the world competing for our families. Some of our husbands are commuting on crazy freeways or now they're shut up in a room or some are in a really nice shed in the yard. <laughs> trying to sound professional and stay focused with the sounds of small children crying and playing while trying to make sales. They deal with office politics, unfriendly environments all day long. They are our providers and it is hard work. They should come home to a place of refuge, a place of joy. We speak volumes to our husband when our homes are joyful. They find confidence and satisfaction when their wives are thankful and smiling. Constant negativity is exhausting. Our husbands like to fix things and they really want to make us happy. There's an old husband saying, happy wife, happy life. And this is true for our husbands. The smart wife chooses joy and shows it to her husband in many ways. Now, some things may just have to go like the perfect house right now. At this time in your life, if your kids are safe and cared for, it naturally means that your floors might be messy. It's easy to get caught in the control trap that robs our joy of not allowing a mess. I struggled with this and I found a compromise by vacuuming occasionally. So at least the sound of the basket crashing on the floor meant at least it was clean first. I had the five minute pickup time when I put on a timer and made it a game where everyone had to pick up as fast as they could for five minutes. It made for a cheerful environment when Mike was welcomed home. One thing that has really helped me also is meal planning my dinners. I do have memories of feeling guilty because I didn't have a dinner planned. Dinner time is coming every night, it's a fact. So set yourself up for success. <laughs> Regularly being prepared can help us maintain joy in our home and our family. Our children will see joyfulness modeled to them and it will lift their spirits. It gives them security and makes them feel safe. Kids get so excited when mom actually plays with them. I know it feels mindless, but it is so important to them. And nothing gives your child more stability than seeing a mom and dad who love each other and are happy. Many of you here have a heart that wants to please the Lord this way and your husbands by creating this kind of environment. And it is really difficult with the kids' constant needs but we ask the Lord to help us. Our time management is affected greatly by our joy or lack of joy. We have energy when we're optimistic and thankful. We are up and at them, which is a battle term from World War I, which means go get them. Life is a battle of tedious chores. The tedious is in fact momentous when done for the sake of Christ. So we do the next thing, the next thing, checking off our list, gives us victory and it fuels optimism. Having daily accomplishments, just start by making the beds. When I walk through my house, if I see things everywhere out of place, it is draining for me. There are times when it looks as a bomb went off in a room, when a child is sick or you had a group over, but hopefully this isn't the norm. Having a tidy house to start the day sets the tone for peace and order. And some of us need to let a little messiness happen. If your house is messy, it doesn't mean you're not a joyful person. You are making room for life to happen and to enjoy this very fleeting time in your life. Mary was joyful, not Martha. Mary was smiling, not Martha. 
Our smile changes our entire appearance. Gloominess is not the look we're going for here. Our inner beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit is the most important element for our husbands to come home to. But isn't it nice when he looks attractive? Isn't it fun when you look at him and your bells kind of ring? <laughs> it's fun for him too. So have a high standard for yourself in those regards. Again, with little ones and the obvious mess, it doesn't mean you're wearing your best duds, but you're feminine and they love that about us. Again, it's your heart that matters. You're wanting to please your husband. You're trying. Our husbands are visual. It's a fact. And they are affected by what they see. And it makes them very happy when they see us trying for them. Your looks are not the most important thing here. It's your heart that's motivated for them. My husband always notices when I make an effort. And these efforts will enhance our relationship with our husbands. Our joy will change our relationship with our husband. It will make us playful and fun to be with and it will do wondrous things for our intimacy. Our joy expressed in this most intimate time with our husbands is the most valuable thing you can do. Our physical union is physical, yes, but it is also an emotional bonding time. A proper and healthy physical relationship protects our marriages from temptation and frustration. It draws you closer. And ladies, your husband should be satiated or satisfied, and so should you. It should be our joy to fulfill this desire in each other, and we are pleasing God when we do. Sometimes this will not be convenient or even seem reasonable, but we try to make the effort for the other person. You are free to say, no, not now, but we make a plan for when that will happen. And I have found that overall, it is best to meet that need sooner rather than later. <laughs> um, there are no certain number of times per week, but it should be often enough that neither one is experiencing frustration and temptation. If any of you are sensing that there's something wrong with this area of your life, please seek out one of the mentor moms here. We have all been married for many years and have experience to help navigate these issues for you. Mike and I really struggled in this area, so I completely sympathize. Uh, we do understand the confidential and the most sensitive nature, and we really want to help you, and that's, that's why we're here. So my last point is you, maintaining your joy, choosing cheerfulness as a habit of mind. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that my, your joy may be full, John 15, 11. There are many joy stealers, but I think forgiveness is the most important. Forgiveness is a lifestyle. I'm gonna say that again. Forgiveness is a lifestyle. Holding on to resentment will not make you joyful. When you are wronged, we need the gospel. We need to remind ourselves of the wrongs we have done and how Jesus doesn't hold it over us. How do you respond when you've been slighted, not invited, the group you wanted to belong to doesn't seem to include you. We need the gospel. We need to Romans 12 ourselves. I tell myself, I ought not think too highly of myself. And some of us need to forgive ourselves. Our Father is not keeping you on the rails, whipping you around. So please stop whipping yourself. And then there are some of us who have been greatly wronged. <laughs> 
long-term stuff. And honestly, even if the person were to sincerely apologize, it wouldn't cover the damage done. But Jesus knows, and he has allowed that hurt, and he wants to cover it, to wash it. He wants us to go to the center and realign our thinking. So think of your washing machines. We have a load of large beach towels of hurts and king-size sheets of pain, and the spin cycle comes on, and we did not load, we did not have the load equally distributed. We all know what happens. The poor machine is spinning faster and faster, not centered, and pretty soon a pounding loud noise happens and buzzing and all kinds of banging around. It sounds awful. We need to run and go realign those towels and sheets. We also need to realign our thinking. Second Peter has been one of my go-tos. 2.23, it says, when Jesus was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he committed himself to him who judges righteously. And also in 2 Peter 4.12, he says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning this fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Our joy shows in deep and profound ways both the sadness of this fallen world and the joy of the gospel. So let's think back on the horse running itself in a lather on the rails on its own, running in circles, not aware of the loving master in the center, waiting for him to come. In Zephaniah 3.17, he says, The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love, and he will rejoice over you with singing. So let me end my talk by going back to the beginning. I said I like to laugh and have fun, and I think the truth is I really need joy. My heart needs joy, and my mind especially needs cheerfulness as a habit of mind. And I'm so thankful to know the only true source of joy, my Jesus, your Jesus. It's all about our heavenly Savior and great King who gives us eternal life. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.